0: Okay, you guys, here we go. She runs Ultras episode number 167. I want to talk about big goals today, specifically, how do you know when to give up on them? I got a DM last week from Sarah, and she asked about this very thing. Like, how do you know when to give up on your big goal? I want to actually read you the DM that she sent me here. So you have the full picture. Okay. So she says, how do you know when to give up on the big goal? What are the non-negotiable things? I signed up for a 50 miler on July 8th. I knew that it was likely an unrealistic goal, but I've kept it in the back of my mind. Life, specifically two kids playing a total of four sports this spring, has dominated my time and energy. I find that I keep sitting down and looking at all the training plans and trying to decide whether it's time to defer or if I'll just go into it way under trained. Do you have any non negotiables? Now, First, let me start by saying, I feel this big time, okay? I think the underlying thought or um, topic here is like the doing of the hard things, and especially for the first time, it is really uncomfortable. When I read that, the question that sort of popped into my brain was, how do you know what's normal and expected when it comes to running an ultra versus what's above and beyond, and would actually qualify as a reason to stop training or pursuing a race. That's sort of what I interpreted from this question. And it's a tough one, right? Like what's above and beyond? When should you stop? How do you know when to give up on the big goal? And The simple answer is, I was trying to think of like, how do we, how do we want to answer this? But the simple answer is, and I come back to this time and time again, you won't know until you try for the first time. And that first time might be your first 50K, your first ultra, or your first time at the distance, whatever it is. So in Sarah's case, it's a 50 miler, right? So once you've done this thing the first time, then you'll have a reference point for all future attempts. But until that happens, you're probably going to spend a lot of time in the uncomfortable middle, not knowing and sort of feeling the way that Sarah does. Like, when do you give up? Like, what are the non-negotiables? I'm trying to decide whether it's time to defer or if I just go at it way under trained, right? Like, maybe you guys resonate with this. Maybe this is something that you have encountered. So, one of the aspects of training that we're all going to face at one point or another is time, right? How much time we have, how to allocate the appropriate amount of time to your training. And this is something that Sarah references in her question explanation. She's got kids that play sports and that has really dominated her free time. She doesn't even mention all the other stuff that I'm sure. And I actually know Sarah a little bit. Like I know that her time is also occupied by work and home life and all these other things, right? So regardless of whether it's playing sports Work meetings, uh, getting a new pet, moving, traveling, vacation, getting sick, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're all going to face this kind of challenge at one point or another in our training. So my answer to question, my answer to Sarah, my response to her was essentially this: If you're asking the question, I think you already know the answer. And the reason I'm saying that is because that has been my process, right? I had all of these same questions and concerns and thoughts and fears and, and you know, these things were keeping me up at night and at every single distance, every single first time I've gone through this same thing. This is why I opened up this podcast episode by saying, I feel this so much because I think it's really common, especially at the first first 50k, first 50 mile, first 100k, so on and so on and so on, right? If you've never done it before, how do you know? How do you know if you're going to do it? How do you know what it's going to feel like? How do you know when to give up? Okay. But I keep coming back to this idea that if you're asking the question, it it definitely means that you're having a real good conversation with yourself. And if you're questioning it, then I think you already know the answer deep down and I firmly believe this deep down inside, we all innately know whether or not we've done enough training. Okay. If you were to tune out to the world and really dive into your brain and think about, have I done enough? Like what are the circumstances? Where did I hit it? Where did I miss it? We all know whether we've done enough, regardless of what the outside world says. And there's a difference between training jitters, like I talked about before, the first time you hit any of these respective distances, and the deep knowing that you haven't done enough to be prepared. And every single time this has happened to me, I've tuned out the world and really thought about this. And you just have this gut feeling that this might be the case. Or you might have the opposite. You might be getting too much external input that's causing you to feel like you haven't done enough. But if you go back and think about it, and if you do what I'm going to talk about in a second here, you might actually come up with the answer that like, no, you have done enough. Okay. I have experienced both of these things and they can seem like at at the onset, initially, they can feel the same training jitters and, you know, deep knowing that you haven't done enough. But again, if you spend some time thinking and feeling into it, you'll be able to figure out the difference. And I say that because I know that I'm going to get some messages or some of you are listening to this and you're like, I don't have that innate knowing. It just means that you haven't spent enough time thinking about it. And the difference between knowing and not knowing is the time that you spend thinking, even if it might be really uncomfortable to sit quietly and review in your brain or maybe writing it out on paper, what you've done. Okay, so lean into that a little bit, because it's going to be really helpful. Now, the other aspect of this is, you can also help yourself get to the answer by reviewing your training plan. You guys knew I couldn't get through an entire episode without talking about a training plan. And more specifically, what you've completed, what workouts you've done, what sessions you've completed, and what you haven't. Okay. This is why tracking your training is so important. So again, shameless plug for tracking your training, having a plan and and reviewing it and keeping track of what's going on. I talk about this a lot in run your first 50 K, but it's this concept of aiming for 80%, meaning aim to complete 80% of the scheduled workouts on your plan. Now this isn't to like give you an out, but it is to reinforce the idea that you're not likely to complete hundred percent of your training. Okay. For a variety of reasons, mostly because um, I don't know you're human and um, life. (laughs) All right. So keep that in mind as we're talking here. And all of those reasons that I mentioned before are things that you might throw in there. Like I have work, I have kids, they play sports. I have pets. I have to travel. I get sick. I have vacation. Those are all part of life. And this is another shameless plug for really taking a a deep dive and a hard look at how you can start to meld the two things, your training and your day-to-day life, your day-to-day existence. And if you look back at your training and you see that you're below that 80% mark, that could be what's causing you to feel uneasy about your upcoming race. And if you're somebody who doesn't track your training and you're having this uneasy feeling like, I don't know, am I going to be able to do it or not? Again, I'm going to point you back to this whole idea of tracking your training because you'd be able to look at it and see, have you done enough work? Now we're sort of not addressing the the elephant in the room, which is, are you doing the right work? But if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've got some resources and we've talked about what the quote unquote right work is to get you there. So I'm going to really try to not go off on a tangent on that, okay? So just <laughs> look at your training and note whether or not you're at the 80% mark. This is why I like training peaks because when you complete a workout, it's going to change the color of the completed workout to tell you whether you hit the objective, you you missed it slightly, or you didn't do it altogether. So it's a very clear picture from a color-coded perspective, you can log into your uh, the back end of your account and look at it and see, okay, is it mostly red? Is it mostly orange or yellow? Or is it mostly green? And that will give you the initial feedback that you need to start to map this out in your brain. Like, am I on the right track or not? All right. So let's just say you look at it and you see that you're below the 80% mark. Now, this might be something that you can course correct in the weeks leading up to your race, provided that you have some time. I'm pretty sure that when Sarah sent me this note, I'm looking at my calendar here. I feel like it was last week or the week before. So she had almost like six or seven solid weeks before her race. Now that might be enough time for her to, like I said, course correct, and get her workouts and her 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 runs back up to close to 80% and that would in turn help her build more confidence in herself that she can do it. Now that doesn't take into account like what she had been doing up to that point. So, and I didn't ask her. I didn't look at her training plan ahead of time before I recorded this to see like would that have worked. But I'll get to what Sarah's decision was in the end. But just know that if you've got some time, you might be able to course correct. Okay. So if you're thinking about pulling the plug eight weeks out from your race, could you give it some more effort and and get yourself more confident and closer to being ready? Now, the flip side of this is You might be short on time and you might not be able to course correct like we just talked about. And that's what's causing you to second guess yourself. And in this case, deferring the race might be the best option for you. All right. So think about that. I want to sort of give you this framework to start to open up your brain and root around in there and see what maybe the cause is of you thinking, hmm should I give up on this goal? Or should I keep going, as well as a timeline and some aspects to think about ways to evaluate whether or not you should give up. Sarah also referenced, quote, unquote, going in under trained. And again, I didn't dig into this with her specifically, I sort of just wanted to answer the bigger question, which was how do you know when to give up on the goal? And I'll get to that in a second. But this whole idea of going in under-trained is really tricky because under-trained can mean different things to different people. So my blanket advice is going to be, don't go in under-trained, okay? Because there's so many different nuances and facets to being trained or under-trained, depending on who you are, what your capacity for work is. So i Again, I'm going to go back to what I said in the beginning, you innately know if you are ready, if you've been doing the work, if you've done enough, or if you are under trained. All right. But my two reasons for saying don't go in under trained are this first, depending on your actual fitness level, you could risk doing more harm or injury than good. Some people think, oh, I'll just go and I'll do it anyway. And we did talk about in a previous episode, I'm not, I'm not remembering off the top of my head which one it is, um, about taking a calculated DNF. And that's a completely different scenario. That is a scenario in which you are actually trained for the distance, but you maybe, you know, are using it as a practice race. Maybe it's longer than you want to go and you're actually thinking about bowing out at a specific aid station. That's a completely different thing, okay? There's a difference between going in under trained and taking a calculated DNF. If you guys have questions about that, let me know and we can maybe do a whole other episode just devoted to that, okay? Talking about those two things. And then the second reason why I would recommend don't go in under trained is because unless you're mentally prepared to take a DNF, This might really ding your confidence and have you shying away from future race attempts, whether it's first, farthest, whatever, okay? So really think about that because if you go into it undertrained and you're risking doing more harm than good and you're not mentally prepared to pull the plug, this might, this would definitely not be a good choice for you, all right? I want to wrap up this discussion by saying this, just because you opt out of one particular race doesn't mean that you're giving up on your big goal entirely. I firmly believe that it's better to, th- to be smart and strategic about your fitness level and your races versus going wild and crazy and maybe even racing recklessly, okay? And by reckless, I mean undertrained, short on time, just going in like hair on fire, you know, totally unprepared. And the other thing that I want to bring up here is something that Sarah references in her note to me, which is, she says, likely an unrealistic goal. I call this out because I want you guys to be mindful of the way that you talk to yourself. I think it's really important that you really monitor what you say. All right. She might have said this as a reaction to her realization about where she was at with her training, or it might be what she really thinks. Either way, keep a keen eye on what you say to yourself, whether that's out loud or in your head, because everything in the world, this is kind of a cool thing that one of my coaches shared with me a while ago. Everything in the world is created twice, first in your head and then in reality. So the vision that you paint for yourself in your head, whether you whether or not you believe in visualization or imagery or any of that stuff, meditation, any of it. The way that you talk to yourself about a thing that's upcoming is how you will, what is the energy that you will bring to it and eventually what you will produce. So if you keep saying to yourself, it's likely an unrealistic goal, then how are you going to show up? prepared and excited and, and driven to do the thing you're not because you've already discounted it and discounted yourself. Even if it's just in the words, even if you have a disconnect, like you're saying one thing, but maybe you're thinking another, like you're still excited to do the thing, the race, there's a disconnect in the universe. And this might be really woo. Okay. But I firmly believe this to be true. I talked about this in one of the Tahoe 200 episodes where I said, I believed like a crazy person that I was going to be able to do this race because I couldn't let any small thread of disbelief work its way into my brain because I'm very susceptible to following that. So really audit what you think, the information you take in, the things that you say out loud or in your brain because it's going to to manifest. I was, I was trying not to use the word manifest because I don't, I don't really believe in the the whole woo woo side of manifestation, but I do believe in your actions, your thoughts are going to get you results. And so that's the way that you need to be thinking and acting if that's the result that you want to get. All right. So if you're thinking it's an, it's likely an unrealistic goal, that's the result that you're going to get. Okay. So Keep that in mind. And, and I'm not saying this to, to you know, to be mean to Sarah, but it's a real good point that I wanted to bring up and, and share with you guys because it's very valuable for you to start thinking about this. So my personal philosophy on when do you know when to give up on the big goal is this, Never. <laughs> Never. You should never give up on the big goal. And go back to what I said earlier. You you might want to defer this time, but just because you opt out of this particular race doesn't mean that you should give up on the big goal. You should keep trying until you've achieved it. And in my head, the way that I say it is never give up until you've achieved it or you die trying. And that might sound really extreme, And perhaps it is, but it's the philosophy that I have used. And I feel as though if I don't adopt it, that I give myself that sort of back door to scoot out of if stuff gets hard. And if I don't give myself an out, then I have no other option but to follow the path and keep trying keep working, keep training, keep going, keep trying different avenues, different races, different approaches until I achieve the goal. Because when that happens, it is a huge confidence boost. And it's a boost that you've generated yourself. Like it didn't come from anybody else. Nobody gave it to you. You put in the work, you earned it, and nobody can take that away from you. All right. So, how do you know when to give up on the big goal? Never. The answer is blanket never. Okay. Don't give up until you've achieved it or until you die trying. You know, training for ultras has taught me that having a a core trusted group of people that get me is so important. When I was training for my first ultra, no one, with the exception of my husband, really understood what I was doing or why. And I didn't have any friends who were that into running. I mean, the people that I worked with, the people that I knew, they were 5K, 10K, half and full marathon people, mostly road running, nobody was running trails. And while my family truly loves me, they most certainly thought that I had at least one screw loose. (laughs) So fast forward 12 plus years, and I've made it a priority to create the training environment that I wish I had back then. And so in an effort to continue that, I created the Run Your First 50K Facebook group. And the women in there are amazing. Some are just starting to think about doing their first ultra. Maybe they're coming from that 10K half marathon, road marathon world, getting excited about trails, getting interested in what ultras are and what They could be for them. And some of them have finished one or even multiple hundred milers. So, despite the group's name, it's a place where women of all ages and abilities can hang out and sort of talk shop about ultras. The good, the bad, and the ugly. That doesn't happen too much, but there is some of that. But we might as well get it out in the open and on the table so that you know what you're in for when you. Put your name into Ultra Sign Up and hit sign up, register, buy my spot now, right? So my advice is that if you're training for your first or your farthest Ultra and you don't already belong to either an in-person or an online group where you can get community, training support, accountability, all the things... You should run, don't walk, and find yourself a kick-ass group of women just like this. You can come and join that group, the Run Your First 50K group, in Facebook by just searching Run Your First 50K under groups in the header bar up in Facebook. Once you see us, just hit the button to request to join, answer the questions, and you're in. Okay, I'll see you guys over there. Now on Monday, I hinted at something that we did over the weekend. And if you follow me on social media, you'll know that we got a new puppy. Some of you guys might have heard or you know me personally, and you know that I lost my best friend, my canine best friend last July, almost right after I got back from Tahoe. And I didn't really talk about it too much because, honestly, I was just so heartbroken. I got Ruby at a time in my life when I was going through some stuff, some really tough stuff, and it was just her and I for a long time. So losing her to cancer was a real blow. And it took me specifically and Adam and I together a long time to be ready for another dog, but we are excited to have Wyatt. Wyatt is his name. And he's a red tri mini Aussie, just like Ruby. Sorry, Ruby was a red Merle, but he is a mini Aussie just like Ruby and our other Aussie Velo that you may see on my feed from time to time. So if you guys want to soak up all the puppy cuteness, you can follow me over at findyourultra on Instagram. All right, you guys, that's all for this episode. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon.